but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggins. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying, losing a leg, and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggins. I'm your host, Patrick Scroggin. I have a very, very touching story to uh, to share with everybody tonight. On the line with me, I have a special guest, retired Master Sergeant Blaine Scott, a U.S. Marine uh, veteran. And uh, we're just going to let him go dive into his story and, and let us know uh, what he's experienced and the, the hardships that he's faced and what he's had to overcome in his life. Blaine? Hey, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, boss. I mean, it's a privilege to be here with you guys tonight. I mean, oh, man. wow, I, when I got the phone call from you. The Thank honor is all much. ours, man. We, I really appreciate you taking your time out to do this. But, uh, well, shoot, man. Um, I, uh, back when I was a sophomore in high school, man, I thought about the military. That's when it all started clicking on me. You know, uh, first of all, I thought about joining the National Guard, and I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. <laughs> I, want, I want to do something a little more challenging. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm but uh, I ended up joining the Marine Corps back in October of 1992. Um, shoot, I, I joined up and uh, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, a population of maybe 350 people, really small. I graduated class of six people. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's about it's about like me. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't ready for college. Didn't have the money for college. My parents definitely couldn't afford me to go to college. And I thought, man, I I need to do something. So uh, I thought, well, let's just let's join the military. Get the hell out of small town and do something. You know. So yeah, uh, man. October of 92, I went off to boot camp, spent 12 weeks there, graduated, and uh, went to security. I actually joined the Marine Corps uh, to be a security force Marine, and uh, went to security force school. My first duty station was in San Diego, California. Uh, Podunk, Iowa, that was quite, quite, a, quite a change for me. You know, especially when my buddy started taking me to Tijuana and stuff. That was quite mind-blowing. <laughs> wow. You know, so spent two years there in San Diego and uh, kind of growing up quite a bit, seeing the world, uh, seeing what things were all about. And uh, in 95, uh, I went to my first uh, infantry unit. That was in 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines there in Camp Pendleton. I uh, went there as a Man. corporal E3, and uh, again, you know, um, started growing up again, you know, even more, getting more uh, knowledgeable about what the Marine Corps is all about, stuff like that. Um, been in 95 or 96, oh man, that's years ago, I went on my first deployment over to Okinawa for seven months, you know. Um Got to see a little bit of the world there. I think we went to a few different countries there, um, trained with a few different countries. Uh, I think that's when I went to Thailand, um, but um, quite quite experience. Came back from there. Um, shoot, actually, uh, right before I went, I, I ended up gotten I got married, and while I was overseas, uh, my first kid was born, my first daughter, Adriana. And uh, when I got home, she was already six weeks uh, six weeks old. So, you know, I went from not being a dad to a dad overnight. I mean, it was, you know, to a little little baby. It was quite experience. Right, right, and that's a very difficult thing when when you when you're gone. You know, you're going to have a baby born. You're not. You know, you're not going to be home for a while. You know, that's tough. That's a tough uh, tough life to live. Yeah, it was it was something else. You know, but you know, it, again, you grow up and. and uh, 
take because you have no choice. You got to do what you got to do. And uh, <clears throat> then in, uh, I'm sorry, my daughter was born in '98. I'm sorry, that was my second deployment over there. She was born. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. But uh, then in '98, I deployed again. My daughter was born. My the second deployment. That's what it was. I apologize. Everything kind of runs man. together <laughs> after so many years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a long time ago. You've been through a lot of stuff, and but I have to ask one question real quick. What 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 persuaded you to join the Marines? Oh, uh, um, you know, my dad was a Marine. You know. Okay. And uh, I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps, and uh, you know, he talked briefly about it when I was a kid, but he did talk a whole heck of a lot because he was only he was drafted in '68. Um, he didn't go to Vietnam or anything, but he, he uh, said it was some of the best times he had in his life, and, and that's kind of what brought me into the Marine Corps, you know. So right. uh, that, that's one of the main – that's the main reason why I joined the Marines, I think, you know, because my gotcha. dad was a Marine, you know. Uh, my grandpa, yeah. my grandfather's Army Air Corps. That's what he was during World War II. Uh, he was lady, and he would tell me stories about when he was in there, you know, World War II and stuff. Pretty neat listening to those yeah. stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah they he had, had a tough back then, then. Yeah. You know. But, uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, no, I said sorry yeah, to interrupt no. you. You're on your second deployment. Yeah. I was on my second deployment, 98. Came back there. You know, I got to actually train with the Australian Marines. It was kind of neat. You know, uh, you know, learn about their culture and their way of life and everything. Spent some time in Australia and stuff. It was, it was nice. Um, but uh, I actually got promoted to sergeant in, in my second deployment over there in, in Okinawa. Um, but came back from Okinawa with my new daughter, and uh, unfortunately, my, my my marriage didn't last very long. Um, around '99, me and my wife end up uh, ex-wife, you know, end up divorcing, you know. But I, I still stayed in California and still spent time with my daughter, and then around. Uh, Right after we divorced, around 99, end of 99 is when I met my current wife, Lily. And uh, we started dating and all that crazy stuff. And uh, as soon as I met her, I went on my third deployment to Okinawa. And uh, <clears throat> did my time over there and uh, did a, hit a few countries over there. Had a great time. Came back in uh, 2000. And I ended up going to, uh, I was back for a couple months, and I ended up going to Marine Corps Mountain Warfare Training Center in Bridgeport, California. And uh, still dated my wife there. That, that that first year, I didn't see much of her because all it was is schooling, Learn, learning all about the mountains and how to operate in mountains, how to work in the mountains, how to, uh, anything that had to do with mountains, it, we, it was pretty intense training, not just not physically, but mentally. Um, right. Some of the hardest stuff I ever did. It was a lot of fun, and uh, some of the best times I had in my life. And uh, end up end up becoming an instructor up there, teaching uh, all that stuff. And then in 2001, I end up getting married to Lily, and uh, and uh, end up move, moving her up there to Bridgeport with me. You know, it was our her first duty station as a Marine wife, and. Uh, a lot of nights up on the mountain and a lot of nights with her sitting in base housing alone, which was unfortunate. It was kind of rough that first year we were married, you know, but uh, we, we did what we had to do and, uh, and uh, you know, made us stronger. And then, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. That's, yeah, a, I mean, that's, yeah. such a, that's such a point to drive home is, is that, you know, how difficult it is on family life, you know, being in the military and, and being in a unit with the op tempo that you have and, and the deployable status and, you know, you're constantly in and out. That that, to- that takes tolls on a family. Yeah, I tell you what, if a wife and husband can withstand all that stuff, they can withstand anything pretty much. Tr- trust me, I, I man, I'm firsthand of that, you know. Um, then the 9-11 hit and, uh, in 2001 and, uh, um, again, I mean, I was, I was hitting the ground pretty hard running. We were training a lot of Marines, getting them ready to go to Afghanistan, uh, training a lot of special forces units from, uh, guys from, uh, army special forces to Navy SEALs, training them how to operate the mountains and what to do the mountains. I, I, I even taught mule packing to a lot of these guys. I, I even went to that school and 
And I taught that for a long time. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, but, uh, that was in 2001. And then, then, then the next two years, like I said, we were pretty busy. 2002, 2003, our, our first child was born, Isabella. And, uh, you know, luckily I had a great mom at home to take care of her. I didn't have to worry about her a bit. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a poor, poor sergeant, you know, you know, I had, a, I was only getting paid like $700 a month. I mean, <laughs> cause I had to pay yeah. jobs for it. So it kicked me in the butt pretty good. <laughs> right. And I, I don't think a lot of people really understand, um, how little money you make in the military. I mean, it, it's a very difficult oh. life and you do it because you love it and you love this country. And, you know, it's just such a. I don't know. It's such a sacred thing to you and I, but most people don't really understand what comes yeah, with it. You, you know, you don't do it for the money. Let's put it that way. You know? <laughs> That's for sure. So, I mean, we we were on WIC two or three years that she was here with us. You know, we were on WIC. My wife would go to school. You know, we'd get the WIC stuff from the state, and my wife would go to the grocery store and get, you know, butter, milk, cheese. You know, just the basic stuff that that WIC can get. Diapers formula you know and that that really helped us out believe it or not thank god you know we had that to fall on because i don't know how sometimes we would have made it without the wick but um yeah yeah made it happen you know but and uh my my ex-wife was in the she was in the air force reserve and she got called up when the whole two not the whole 9-11 thing so my daughter came to live with us and uh that was a that was a challenging moment at the time too, you know, because my wife, you know, she didn't know how to take care of a, a little toddler like that, but and a baby, and but you know, and like I said, we we overcame it, and, and uh, thank God I had the wife and support that that I had from her, you know. Right, and I'm sure that she had support from the community because usually the wives band together pretty well, and they become their own oh. special unit and look after each other and. Yes, yes, of course. It's a sergeant major wife would come down and check on my wife. The 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 master sergeant there would come out and, and check on my wife. The master sergeant's kids would come down and check on my wife. Um, I remember one night my dog gate kid got out and the uh, the gate guard showed up in my house. Hey, hey, Lily, here's here's your dog. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it, it was pretty funny. You know, we're a small community up there and everybody knew everybody and it was it was pretty good. Up there in at, in uh, at the we call it MWTC Mountain Warfare Training Center, you know. Yeah. But um, I had a great time, and uh, then they were asking for volunteers to go to Afghanistan for a year, for six, seven months, seven months. And I raised my hand and said, "Let's go! I'm ready to go." And uh, I was all ready to go, and I, I injured myself about two weeks before I was supposed to go. I guess the good Lord was looking out for me or something, but. Uh, Canceled my tr- orders, my trip to Afghanistan for seven months, and another buddy of mine went, and uh, he, he did very well over there. But um, kind of canceled that trip for Afghanistan. I was looking forward to go. My wife didn't want me to go, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, they never do. That was in 2004. I remember that. And then, uh, no, yeah. I'm sorry, that was 2003. And then after Bridgeport, um, in 2000, beginning of 2004, I went to 29 Palms to Light Armored Recon Battalion. Um, now being a, uh, I, I picked up staff sergeant, so I was a platoon sergeant down with the LAV a platoon down in 29 Palms with 3rd LAR, Delta Company. Um, again, I, I knew nothing about LAR, I knew nothing about LAVs, and uh, they sent me to LAV Leader School. I learned the basics there came back and luckily I had great NCOs I had a great Lieutenant and, uh, they all say, Hey, this, this is how we do things here. And, uh, a good leader is going to listen to everybody in this platoon. And I, I feel that's what I did. You know, I listened to my young Marines. I listened to my, my, uh, my Lieutenant, my gunny, um, you know, everybody to take advice from them. So I, I think I had a, by the time we deployed um, we deployed in um, end of '04 to Iraq. By the time we deployed, it was uh, I, I had a good handle on things in my platoon. Uh, I knew how the LAVs operated. I knew how their tactics, you know, and uh, I was pretty confident when I deployed in 2004 with that uh, with LAR. All right, 
Dwayne, real quick, we have to take a pause and uh, a word from our sponsors here, and when we come back, uh, we'll start in on uh, Dwayne's first deployment to Iraq. Oh, sweet. All right. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Attention, looking for semi drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Unbroken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Master Sergeant Blaine Scott. Uh, he was just getting ready to start in on his uh, first deployment to Iraq. Go ahead, Blaine. All right. Again, hey, thanks for having me again, boss. This is a great honor. No, All right. Man, it's, of, it's our pleasure. Yeah. End of 2004 was my de- first deployment to Iraq. Um, I was excited to go. I was excited to be there. Um, man, at first, probably we drove our vehicles from Kuwait all the way to al time uh up there by the syrian border uh it took us two oh days to do it. yeah how long was that drive? two days drive out there up there you know we drove all the way to ramadi i think that first day then ramadi up to uh up to uh up to uh al time that, that that second day i remember getting there yeah but uh we wow. went up there started okay. doing our, our our relief with uh i think it was first lar What's that? I don't remember. One of the other LARs companies the Marine Corps has. And uh, that first day out, oh, it was it was an eye opener. You know, we're we're traveling along, and the vehicle in front of me hit got hit by an IED. Luckily, no casualties. And then uh, we were looking up the AO. We were looking at it, see what we got to do, see what we had. And uh, then later on that day, a second vehicle got hit with a with a mine and uh injured some marines in there but pretty mild mild casualties and uh we got shot at a couple of times like wow this is gonna be a long deployment <laughs> yeah how long were you all slated to be there we were there we were supposed to be there seven months seven months we're supposed, we were we we're gonna be there you know but uh 
you know, after that first week, things weren't really that bad, you know. Um, we would do route security. We would we'd be out looking for IEDs. We'd find them. Um, we would, uh, what else we do? We did a few raids on a few houses. We do overwatch on bridges. We do overwatch over uh, uh, different other things. Uh, we'd be overwatch for, uh, you know, special forces unit come in and do stuff. We'd be overwatch for those guys. Um, yeah, like the outer the outer blanket as they're in operation. Yeah, right? the outer cordon or outer cordon for those guys, you know. Yeah, uh, which was too bad. And then uh, I remember the first time I got we got rocketed. <laughs> we were sitting on a bridge and we got rocketed. Luckily, no casualties, no damage, no big deal. And then uh, that was up in Alkine. And then we got moved. We would go from Alkine. We got Haditha Dam. No, I'm sorry. Then from there, we went down to uh, a place called Hit. We moved down there and supported units down there. There was Hit, Haditha, and Habania all right through there, right in the Al-Assad area. Yeah, I'm I'm very familiar with that area. Hey, really quick, just for some of the listeners, just for some of the listeners that may not understand some of the lingo here, uh, an ID improvised explosive device, and uh, when Blaine was talking in the beginning, you know they ran through a couple, and not too many got hurt. And that was pretty common in the beginning of this war. They weren't oh, yeah. uh, very sophisticated at uh, at laying them, and obviously, just like anything else, if practice makes perfect, and uh, they got yep. really good, and and they became really devastating over over a period of time. Yeah, they were really good at them. Yeah, exactly. And we found a lot of them. But, uh, yeah, and they were, they were so good at hiding them too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, we went down to Hit Haditha Habanier area and then we were uh, in Hit by all the other Marine Corps by the other why Fallujah was being taken down. We were doing our own thing in Hit through there and clearing out that town and stuff like that. So Fallujah wasn't the only town getting hit during that time. You know, we right, were also just got all the publicity. Operations. Yeah, we were doing other operations throughout the uh, AO, the area oper- operation. So we were in charge of doing a hit, trying to get people who were getting the the squirters, what we called them, people coming out of town, trying to run away. We were we were dealing with those guys and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad, you know. We, you know, it wasn't too bad. But uh, I remember the first time I took casualties, uh, we were going from Alice. I think I believe we we're going to Alice to Haditha Dam, and. Uh, one of my vehicle, my front vehicle, got hit uh, pretty good by an IED and uh, injured one of my Marines pretty bad. Um, surprised it didn't kill him, but believe it or not, it didn't. And uh, I had that vehicle pretty good. That's the first casualty I ever had. Was that was, was that guy? Um, yeah, how bad did he hurt? Oh man, he had a major TBI. It, it split his head open pretty good. Um, knocked him out. I thought he was dead when I first saw him, but he uh, he came through, and we Doc was Corman are amazing people. Re- much respect for my Corman. Um, patched him up, and then we uh, we met back him to Hadi- on on to Haditha Dam. Uh, the next day they came through, and they um, the Marines bulldozed that whole area, cleared it all out, and uh, never saw an IED there again. Um, you know, you, you ask all those locals around that area, who, who who did they see, and no one ever gave me any information. They were too scared, or or either too scared, or they're in with the the whole process. You just never know. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, you're fighting a you're fighting kind of a maskless enemy. You know, at that point, because everybody had kind of blended in with everybody, and you you yeah, really didn't yeah. know. You, you don't know, know who your enemy or your friend is exactly. You just don't know, and. uh that was my first casualty. My, my second casualty of, of, of that first appointment, we were, uh, um, my lieutenant and another vehicle went out on up the road a ways. Me and my other vehicle, we stayed in a overwatch position. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard the loudest explosion I've ever think I've ever heard. And it was about a couple clicks away. And we jumped in our vehicles and we headed up there and, uh, that lead vehicle, they were coming back to us, and that lead vehicle got hit with a big uh, V-bid, a vehicle-borne IED. And uh, it pretty much, it took, I mean, it went off right next to the vehicle. And uh, 
we'd have our packs on the vehicles. We'd have other stuff on the vehicle. It took everything off that vehicle. And um, my vehicle commander in that vehicle, he, he got a pretty good PBI from it, you know. And, uh, yeah. He, he was. It took him out rest of deployment, and we were only three months into deployment. A uh, great, great sergeant. Um, his name was uh, Sergeant Castaneda. I remember his name. Good, good guy. I learned a lot from that guy. Holy cow, he was stud. And I was. It was hard, hard losing him. But you know, I was like, no, you're done, buddy. You're, you're gonna stay back in the rear and be Gunny's little, little, little errand boy now. <laughs> Right. He didn't like you know, and that's the thing, that. too. You know, even when guys get hurt, they don't want to go home. I mean, you want to stay with your oh, brothers and you want to continue it out. And, you know, at what point, what, what deployment was it when you got hurt? At what point was it when you got hurt? That that was my second deployment over there when I got hurt. Um, but uh, the rest of the first deployment, it went pretty smooth. We did, like I did, route security, find IEDs. We found anything from V-bids to IEDs in the open to IEDs and trash. We found them in dead animals. We, we they just lay them in the middle of the road. It was it was unbelievable. Culverts. We'd find them in culverts. Yeah, I know. They got they they try to get super and creative. They, yeah, something else. I mean, they're they were pretty good at it, but we were we were almost just as good at finding them because very seldom would we get hit by IEDs that first deployment. And uh, about them. Oh, also over there. You know, I spent Christmas and Thanksgiving over there that first deployment. And believe it or not, one of the best Thanksgivings I ever had was that first deployment over there in Afghanistan. I mean, Iraq. Um, no kidding. Um, it was my Marine Corps brothers, and uh, we all had something to celebrate. And uh, it was it was out on this fob called Fob Wolf, and this one, a cook had a he called his cook a Rico's Cantina, his cafeteria or whatever you call it, little hut. <laughs> That's what it was. But I remember having out there, the battalion commander came out and had um, um, Thanksgiving with us, and uh, it, it was it was quite nice. I mean, one of the best Thanksgivings I think I ever had was in was in Iraq. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, the, the the brotherhoods you make, the the I mean, they're family. They become your family. You rely on them day oh, in and day yeah. out, to, you know, for your life. And it, it's hard to explain that. It's hard for people to understand if you haven't been there. But you know, it's uh, it's such a bond that we create, and it's a life you know, life lasting bond. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, uh, it was something else, man. I mean, uh, we had Christmas over there. Christmas was just as good as Thanksgiving. We had that in Fob Hit. You know, we got to open up presents from family and all that crazy stuff. It, it was, it was quite, it was a lot of fun with those guys. We, we had Christmas trees. We had all kinds of crazy stuff. We tried to make the best out of it. It was, it was, it was fun. But, um, Came back yeah, I mean that's all you out. can do. You can only, I mean, you can only, you got to make the best out of the out of the situation, you know. Yeah, it was it was it was good times, believe it or not. But I came back home. I think in April 2004, we came back home and uh, got home. We were home not even a month, and we started training up for our second deployment, um, hitting the ground running again, you know, um, out in the field constantly training, training, training. And we end up going back to uh, Iraq, I believe, in February, February and March of 2006. Yes. We came back in 05, ended up going back in 06. Yes. And uh, that. So, real, real quick, uh, being there your first time to your second time, could you see a significant difference by the way that people treated you or accepted you or? Were, were they, were, you know, were they happy to see you when you come back, or what did you think the difference was between the first and second deployment? I don't think there was much difference in the people, but the 06 one was definitely rougher. Let's put it that way. You know, yeah. Um, by then they were, they had their tactics down better. IEDs were a lot better. Um, the, the setting of IEDs, they did a lot more of that. Um, I recall we're outside of Ramadi one day. That, sec- that second deployment, we moved around a lot more. We were in Fallujah, we were Al Qaim, we were we were all over the Al I mean the Alambar province. Literally, we was it was unbelievable for a month right. here, two months here, two weeks here. It was they sent us wherever they needed us. That's what it was. 
Right. And then on that note, on that note, Blaine, uh, we're going to pause for another quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to lead right up to right up to Blaine, uh, right up when he got injured. So uh, here's a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN. Veterans Broadcast Network brings you Unbroken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken. We're here with retired Master Sergeant Blaine Scott, the United States Marine Corps veteran. And uh, Blaine, if you could, for time reasons, let's just go straight to that uh, that fateful day that you were hurt. Can you just, can you tell us about All that? All right, um, August twentieth, <laughs> two thousand six. Um, it was a Sunday. I was up mad because I couldn't go to church that day. And like, hey, that's You guys are going out to do a recon uh, mission. Just just recon an area out. We're going to put a uh, vehicle checkpoint. So all right, no problem. We're just going to be out for a couple hours. So we jump in our vehicles, and only three of my vehicles were going out. My fourth one got hit a couple weeks ago, and I lost four Marines in a big IED. So I was down to only three vehicles in that in that my platoon by then. So we jumped in. We're going out, and we're checking where this this uh, vehicle checkpoint is going to be. And uh, I was the last one out of three vehicles, and two vehicles. We started up a hill. And as soon as I turned off that hill, that, that IED went right off underneath my vehicle. Um, I remember first thing I thought of was like, oh, shit, I just lost Marines. And uh, I saw, you know how you ever close your eyes, you see that bright light when a flashlight goes off in front of you? That's, that's exactly what I saw. And I felt the whole vehicle lift up off the ground, slam back down. And uh, automatically thought, man, I got to get out. I'm, I'm, I'm burning up. And uh, just that, the whole vehicle was flamed up. So I imagine I managed to get myself out of the vehicle, rolled off the vehicle, rolled onto the ground. And by then, one of my other Marines was right there to grab me and pull me away. Um, at that time, I wasn't really worried about my injuries. I was more worried about my fellow Marines that were that were still in the vehicle. 
you know, and uh, after they drug me away, and I was like, um, okay, those those guys are gone, unfortunately. You, you just know. And then uh, Marines started t- dealing with me, uh, dealing with my injuries, dealing with my other Marines' injuries, and uh, got me another vehicle. Got me back to the little fob we were at, and I, was, I mean, we were in Rawa then, and uh, flew me back to Al-Assad, and then from Al-Assad, they, they put me out. I don't remember anything going on. Uh, all I know is I, I was burned up. My left ankle was, was broke. And uh, I remember the ride from Rawa to Al-Assad. I was like, all right, I'm breathing. I'm burned a little bit. Let, ankle's broke. I'll be all right. Not a big deal. Um, two days later, I, or three days, two days later, I woke up in, at, at, in San Antonio at Brookhorn Medical Center. Um my wife was right there with me, and at the time, my wife was seven months pregnant with our, with, was six months pregnant with our uh, soon-to-be son. Um, that last little hoorah before I left, we got her pregnant, I guess. But um, she was pregnant, and uh, she was right there, saying, "Hey, don't worry about it. We'll get through this." All my injuries included, um, I was 40% burned, my head, arms, legs. Uh, I had a compound fracture in my left foot. I had a broken ribs, collapsed lung, um, lacerated liver. That's about all I can think of right now. That, that's so when you say when you say there. when you talk about your burns, Blaine, how like uh, what what when you say your face was burned, like what degree? Oh, uh, my my face was uh, third degree burns. Um, I didn't have much of a nose left. Um, one ear was pretty bad. If you look at it now, it's a lot smaller than my other one. Um, my lips were all burnt. Um, you know, my hair, I don't get a lot of my hair anymore because they were all burned off. I topped my head. Um, I can't grow a beard because <laughs> i got too many bald spots on my face. But um, after all my rehab at Sancy, uh, after about a year and a half, Stuff like that, of them putting my ankle back together, um, my my burns healing up as much as they could at the time. Uh, I, I haven't done anything with my face, you know. Um, I just kind of left it the way it was because I was I was through with surgeries, I was through with rehab. I just all I want to do is get back with Marines, get back to the Marine Corps. You know, I had the option to get now medically, but I wasn't ready to. You know, I I couldn't I couldn't. You know, I, I love the core too much, and uh, I couldn't do it. So in yeah. uh, March of 2008, I left Stampsy. I had enough of it. And I reported to 1st Marine Division, Division Schools. I was the chief instructor of the uh, Urban Leaders course there, just making sure the, school, the course ran good and stuff like that. I went to UCLA to an organization called uh, – Oh man, I got a brain fart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a nonprofit, and they they took me and they did uh, uh pretty much rebuilt my face back. They they fixed my lips, they fixed my eyes, gave me a new nose. I think in total I had over 15 surgeries on my face up there in UCLA. They fixed my wow. ankle. I was having a lot of problems with that. They 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 did that, which I was grateful for because it, it hurt so bad. I just wanted to cut it off at one time. And uh, from 2008 2010, that's all I did was surgeries back and forth from UCLA, plus running my school, I mean, my course, and then they, um, doing all that stuff. Then in two, after all that, I, I stayed in the Marine Corps, got promoted to gunnery sergeant. Uh, in 2010, um, I deployed to Afghanistan for seven months. Um, uh, granted, you know, it, was, it wasn't the – the stuff I was used to doing, and all they did was put me in the the I was at Camp Leatherneck with the uh, Camp Commandant's office over there, making sure the operations of the base went went well. Right, but I think I think this is a, a very very important point. You know, here you are, 2006, you get hurt, you almost die, you get burnt. You know, your your injuries are crazy. You spend the next few years yeah. trying to get back, and that's all you want to do is you want to go back and do your job. And I think that's yeah. a very hard thing for people to understand of, you know, when when 
we're asked to do a job for the country, we want to do it. You know, we're not we yeah. want we want to go out on our own terms, not not because of you know exactly. some unfortunate instance. And you're a prime example of that, and I salute you for that. And I had problems in the beginning. Like, wow, I, I got beat. They beat me. You know, no way yeah. am I going to let this get me down. No way am I going to let them beat me. You know, right. yeah, you knock Man, me down a little bit, but you know what? I'm coming back, and I'm coming back just as strong as I was, at least as close to it as I could, you know. And uh, right. I, I wasn't going to let them get, keep me down. No way. You know, I want to be a role model to those other Marines out there going through the same thing I was going through. You know, hey, that's exactly right, sir. And that is why we are the best country in the world because we have people like you. Well, I just just do what I got to do just to, for my family. You know, I I, I want to be that role model for my son. You know, yeah, and uh, to this day I think I am. You know, to him, he's 14 years old now, and uh, he's a little beast. You know, <laughs> future marine. Yeah. yeah, he plays football and everything. You got he's. Yeah, he got hurt the other day, and uh, didn't 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 count him out. He was did pretty good. But um, yeah, I mean the the kids that call, that grow up in that military mindset, that military structure, just you can tell it's just it's a different way of of growing up. Yeah, it is. It is. But I, I did my deployment to Afghanistan, did the best I could, and. Uh, it's funny because I'd be in a truck heading out of the wire, and my master guns like Scott. What the hell are you doing? Get the hell out! They would not let me off that base even if I tried. <laughs> yeah. I almost made it a few times. So, but I came back in. Uh, when did I come back? May and June. Somewhere in the summertime, I came back from Afghanistan. Did a couple schools while I was back. You know, just my and as a gunnery sergeant. And uh, I called my monitor up, and I said, hey, Master Guns, I've been here three years. Um, this was 2011. Um, I, need, I need to go somewhere else. What do you got for me? And he goes, you got three choices, Bethesda, San Antonio, Hawaii, pick one. I was like, no, I, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know what I'll be doing, but no. He's like, no, pick one, which one? And I was like, well, I'll just go to Texas. I was down in Texas. I know about Texas. Well, I ended up coming out here and running the uh, the, the Marine Corps wounded, ill, and injured wounded detachment that, at SAMSI or at BAMSI. I was senior advisor. So I just pretty much came back home, left as a yeah. patient, come back running the place. And when I first got there, I was like, man, I had over 72 Marines, and I, I had a staff of 26 pretty much doubled when I left in 2010 or 2008. And, uh, again, you, you try to be that role model to those those guys coming back from Afghanistan, you know, with, with uh, missing limbs, burnt, shot. Um, yeah, you, you try to be there for their families. You know, my wife was a great role model there. She, she, tried, she was there for the wives where they have any questions, the moms if they had any questions. You know, I sat down with right. those Marines. I, they'd be in their hospital bed, and I was like, hey, this is how it's going to work, man. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure know. that having your wife and everything that your wife had been through and you all had been through together, I'm sure having their, her there to be able to talk to the other wives, I'm sure that's that's just, that's huge. That's tremendous. That that was that was huge. And those and having those families, as soon as they get to San, uh, they call it SAMSI now, San Antonio Military Medical Center, those families, as soon as they get there and say, hey, this is what you're going to expect for the next two to three years to rest of your life. You know, and that, that was a – and you try not to have many surprises, you know what I'm saying? You try to lay it all yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, it's time. it's your new normal. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's it, your new normal, and you got to face it, and you got to overcome it. Yeah, it was hard for some of them to understand that, but it didn't take them long to realize what was going on. And I feel like that was a good role model for those kids. I was down there – from 2011 until I retired in 2015. And uh, it was uh, quite quite a rewarding but very, very hard job at the same time. Some of the hardest things I ever did, I think, when I was down there. With right, I bet. 
I bet. And you know, with that being said, I know you got uh, you know I know you got uh, more to your story. We're going to take another quick break here, and you all don't want to miss this last part of uh, Blaine Master and Blaine Sock Story. We'll be right back with a quick word from our sponsors. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN. Veterans Broadcast Network brings you Unbroken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Go ahead, Blaine. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about 2015, I, I retired. You know, you just know when it's time to retire. And uh, as soon as I retired, my wife started working for an organization called the Semper Fi Fund. The Semper Fi Fund, I've seen them do amazing stuff. It'll help these guys when they come back from uh, financially, help them financially when they come back from their uh, injuries. Help the families with hotel rooms. Help the families with rental cars. Help the families have a little extra spending money. Help families with mortgages. Help families with rent. Because you know it takes a it's 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 quite devastating for these guys, and it's quite a hit in the pocketbook when these guys come back. You know, for these families. So, you know, I worked hand in hand with those guys when I was when I was on active duty. Well, my wife, she uh, she ended up getting hired by these guys when I when I retired. So she continued to help wounded, ill, and injured Marines when I re- when uh, after I retired. Well, I, I here I am. I jumped from job to job. I couldn't quite really find my place. And I called my wife's boss up and said, hey, how can I start volunteering for you guys? This is what I want to do. I want to start holding events for these guys, for the wounded, ill, and injured Marines at SAMHSA and to our local veterans who's part of the Super 5 Fund. I just want to volunteer. She's like, you know what? Do better yet. I'm going to hire you. This is, this is what we're going to do. And she told me, this, I want you to hold events for these guys. I want you to do things for these guys. I want you to be there for these guys. I want you to be role models for these guys. So I ended up getting hired on after I was uh, out of the Marine Corps for about a little over a year. And uh, I, so I still work with Blue Deal and injured Marines. I still, um, 
now they call it the Simplify Americans Fund because now not only are we helping Marines, we're helping the any other service out there. You know, and uh, right. I, I I'm down at Samsey monthly, if not every every other week, and they're talking to those guys. What can I do for you? How can I do it? You know, like this week I'm taking a bunch of them to a museum. Just take them out to a museum, get away from the hospital for a few hours, just to kind of recharge. Yeah, and that's that's such a tremendous, tremendous part of the recovery process. You know, you go in day in and oh. day out. You know, you're trying to get better. You know, you're trying to to heal from your wounds, and you're, you know, there and like you said, there's a lot of financial uh, issues, and you're you're so worried about all this stuff. And really, the last thing you should be worried about is the money. I mean, hell, you just fought for your country for God knows how many years. You know, you should come back. You know what I mean? And you know, it's yeah. organizations and guys like you that that make that so much better. And let me tell you what the Timber Five did, did for me. You know, I, I come back and I couldn't do anything. My wife's seven months pregnant. She just comes with the clothes on her back. And that's it. Thinking she's just going to pick me up and we're going back to California. Um, no, you know. And they went out. They, they gave my wife uh, money for a hotel room. They gave my wife uh, money for a rental car. They gave her money to go out and buy new, new maternity clothes. They they held a, a a baby shower for my wife. This is the whole time I was in the hospital, and re- really took care of her. So she, they didn't want her to worry about nothing. And uh, it wasn't for the simplified doing those little things for us. Uh, we would have survived, but it would have been a lot worse. You know, uh, we would have struggled big time. You know, they got me a handicapped van so I can I can get around in, and uh, it, it, they really helped me out in the beginning. And uh, it wasn't for them life would have been so rough. And, yeah, I mean, that's such an awesome deal and such an important piece that, you know, not a lot gets concentrated on. Not enough, in my opinion. There's so many people yeah. out there that do a lot, and, you know, they really don't want the recognition, but they definitely deserve it. Yep, yep. So so I'm doing that this Friday, and next week I'm doing a cook-your-own-steak night for a bunch of veterans. We're coming out, and we'll sit there, and we'll cook our own steak, we'll BS, we'll talk about life, we'll talk about, hey, this, what are you doing nowadays? You know, how can we help you? Um, we got a horsemanship program, which I've seen change military guys' lives. Uh, we got internship programs to help these guys start their own businesses. You know, the the Simmer Five Fund's amazing. Uh, they're near and dear to my heart. Um, that's why I talk about them like the way it is. And um, that's a whole other hour's worth of stuff I can, I can talk about. That oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. You know, I'm I, sure. I do now, now, Blaine, stuff. I know. I know that you, everything that you've been through, uh, I know there's another piece to your story. You can choose to tell it or not to tell it. I know it's uh, it's very emotional. Yeah, I'm it, sure it's, it, it's very it's, emotional for you, but uh, maybe, you know, if you want to throw out some awareness for that. Well, this part here is harder to talk about than my injuries any day of the week. Um, and uh, um, August 30th, 2016 was the worst day of my life. Um, we, we lost our little girl um, to suicide. You know, I will take getting blowed up over a million times. I would go through the same pain, even worse pain than I could, just to get my little girl back. And 12 years old, and she took her life because of uh, being bullied, um, being bullied at school, um, being bullied on social media. And uh, you don't realize how bad it really hurts, you know, how bad your kid is going to I didn't realize how bad my kid was, how my daughter Isabella was, was I didn't know how bad she had it. You know, she, she I, I don't know if she just didn't talk to me about it. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I tried to get it out of her. Hey, what's going on? How's life? She seemed to kind of bottled up inside. And one day she couldn't take it, and uh, I wasn't home. My wife wasn't home, and she uh, took her own life. And uh, so me and my wife, we, we got a little nonprofit called the Isabella Foundation. And and all it does is bring awareness to bullying uh, in our schools and, and, and in our community. And um, and we, we get a lot of phone calls from people. My, my kid's being bullied. My kid tried to take his life. And my kid did take his life because bullying. What, what can we do? And we are uh, we advise them 
that, that's all we do. We advise them. We, we do. We go, we get out in the community and, and we talk to people. We we tell them this is what you need to do. This is how you do it. You know, because um, we we don't want that. I don't wish this upon my worst enemy. And I mean, even the person that blew me up, I don't wish this upon them. To be honest with you, because uh, it's it's the worst thing that could ever ever happen to anybody. Yeah, man, I, I don't even know how, how to relate. I don't know, you know, what feelings I would have. I mean, my heart goes out to you and your wife, and I know that that has to be such a terrible deal. But, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think social media social media is like a damn virus um, for these kids. It's, and it's, and uh, it's, it's a shame that it's gotten so powerful and, and so influence, influential in everybody's lives, especially young kids and it has such an impact. And I think, um, you know, that story, and I'm sure there's thousands of more that, that need to be told. I mean, these, you know, the, the power that social media has over people is just insane to me. It's crazy. It and everything that you went through and your family went through, and then you had to deal with that. I, I don't know, man, I, that's such a, uh, it's just difficult. And I think, you know, uh, for anybody listening, I, I, I just, I don't know how you not don't have tears in your eyes right now, but, you know, I hope that we can do something here, you know, and grab some people for the to help out with the Isabella Fund. That would be that'd be awesome. Isabella Foundation is what's called me and my wife as we're really pretty small town uh foundation. You know. But uh you know you know, who who cares how I feel, you know, the person I worry about is my wife. You know, she she's the one that found my daughter and she suffers day in and day out because of it, to this day. You know, I gotta it's it's a, it's hard for her. You know, and uh, all I can do is be there for her and, and, and uh, hold her when she cries and, and just, just let her talk, let her express herself. You know, she believe it or not, she had to, you know, got major PTSD from that, you know. and uh, Oh, how could you not? Yeah, but she, she's came a long ways, man. She Now she can talk about it with people. She can, she can, uh express her feelings to other people now. I mean, there for a while, she just shut off to the world, man. It took everything I had to kick her in the butt to, to get out and and and, and uh, talk about this. You know, she's the one that came up with this foundation, you know, this, this nonprofit. She's the one that pretty much oversees it, the do's and don'ts and the cans and can'ts. And uh, she she's the one that talks more about it than I do. She's a hell of a strong woman. She's been through a lot. And, uh, and uh, she, anybody that has a wife like mine, even just half of mine, would, would be a lucky person. After, after dealing with my situation and being pregnant and uh, taking care of me, taking care of my son, and and taking you know losing my daughter, you know, and, and she she's still there for me, and, and just as much as I'm I'm there for her. You know, well, and that's the thing. It just there. sounds like y'all are such a great team. I mean, you know, she's a marine, right? And so. Um, nope, I mean, she lived that with you. She's indoctrinated, yeah. so oh, yeah. that's 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 that's, yeah. that's such an awesome thing to hear that uh, you all are such a team like that, and you all have overcame some and just some tremendous odds. And man, I salute you for that. And uh, you know, people like you are what makes the world a better place, man. I, I truly do believe that. Well, don't don't get me wrong. We've had our we've almost slipped a few times, but we we sit down, we talk about it. Uh, get the help that we need, and uh, it just, it just made us stronger, you know. And uh, we, I could, like I said, I couldn't ask for a better wife than what I have today. She's she's a great yeah. woman. Yeah. Man, that's awesome, dude. I, I mean, I I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. It's such a touching one. I know there's so many more details in there that you can tell, and and uh, we'll have you on in a future show to tell them. And uh, I just got I got two questions for you. One. Would you do anything different? And number two, what if you could change something? What would you change? Oh man, I, I wish I was 15 years younger. I'd do it all over again. Shit, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, um, uh, Marine Corps wise, I, I don't think I'd do anything different. I, I would, I would stay in the Marine Corps. I love it. Like I said, if I, I, if I could do it all over again, I would. Um, yeah, I, I I love the Marine Corps. I love the military. 
and I, I miss it every day. I miss it. I miss it every day. Um, anything different? Um, you know, I think about my daughter, how I do would treat her different, how I could have changed things there. Um, probably do a little different, you know, when it comes to my kid, but Marine Corps wise, I probably wouldn't do anything different than what I did. You know, I mean, I, uh, I completely agree. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't, again, I couldn't even, I can't imagine what that was like. Um, and I know, you know, you know, that saying goes, everything happens for a reason, but you know, in them reasons that that shit is happening, you just, <laughs> the human brain can't comprehend it. And I, it's such an amazing uh, thing that you and your wife have been through and what you've overcame and what you're doing now. And so quickly, could you just uh, state the organization again and how to get in touch and how to donate? All right. Uh, the organization we uh, work, I work for is Simplify Americans Fund. Um, just go, just Google Simplify Americans Fund. You'll find it out like that. And the Isabella Foundation. Um, I don't think we got a website and, People just send us checks every now and then. Like I said, we're small time when it comes to that stuff, and that's about it with those guys. Well, that's but, okay. Um, cause let's make it bigger. So, where do we how to let how do we how do we uh, you, you send checks to us? Uh, the Super Five. I mean, to the Isabella Foundation, right to our home address, fifty-seven fifty-eight Keller Ridge, uh, New Braunfels, Texas, seven eight one three two. Again, fifty-seven fifty-eight Keller Ridge, New Braunfels, Texas. Seven eight one three two, and uh, and all that money just goes back into uh, so we can just get the word about about, about anti bullying and uh, um, how, how to stomp it out. You know, stomp out bullying. That's one of our uh, things. So, yeah. But, well, uh, I mean, that's 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 awesome, and I I hope we can I hope we can uh, we can get the word out and and help you all with that. And you know, again, I'm gonna hit on that social media thing. I think. I think that's a that's a huge thing. That's a good place to start. And uh, but uh, so I'm going to just say this: if anybody did not get the uh, how to donate or where to donate, you can email me at Patrick at VeteransRadioHour.com. That's Patrick at VeteransRadioHour.com, and just uh, hit me up with uh, with what you want to donate to the Isabella Foundation, and I'll make sure that you get that uh, correct address and and how to go about that and any donations we could get for that we would greatly appreciate it's for uh, oh, yeah. a great cause for and uh you know that's uh i don't know that's such an, a, a touching story for me man i i can't even comprehend it um but but again blaine i i, I can't thank you enough for getting on here and sharing your story uh with us and, oh, anytime my um, friend it's good to hear your voice again so Yes, yeah. yes, man, and and we'll we'll do it again. We'll we'll go into the whole. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the Simplified Foundation, and and we could do. I know we can do a whole segment on that. They do so much for wounded veterans. Oh God, and, could we? It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. yeah. <laughs> but hey, man, I really appreciate it, and uh, I really do thank you for coming on and do- donating an hour of your of your night for us. It's super important to us, and we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, anytime, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, so that that's going to conclude this episode. Uh, tune in next week uh, for another exciting show from uh, Veterans Outdoors. I don't know if anybody that's listening, how they couldn't have tears in their eyes if they're listening to that. Uh, that's one of our true American heroes there, and uh, people like him, we owe our lives to. Thank you. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. 
We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Unbroken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the enemy.